good to see everybody today. Our pastor, Kenneth Bruce, is, uh, he's off for a few days, so uh, my name's Rick Callahan. I'm the pastor of families here at Westwood, and it's great to see all of you today. Thank you for being here today. If you're watching us by live stream, we're glad that you are here as well. I want to ask you, if you would, just bow your heads and pray with me as we begin today. Father, we thank you so much for how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you watch over us. And Lord, I pray that today you would speak to us in a mighty way, Father, that you would use this message, Father, to challenge all of us to be more like you. These things we pray in your blessed name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, Heather Kampf, K-A-M-F, is a lady who was an incredible runner. Matter of fact, she's still running. She's in her 30s now. But back in 2008, she did something pretty amazing. She was running for the University of Minnesota, and when she was running in this 600-meter run, by the way, I didn't know what a 600-meter run was uh, because I'm not a runner. I mean, can't, you can tell them. It's hard to keep this shape. It's hard to keep this shape if you run a lot. So, so I'm not much of a runner. But so I looked it up. 600 meters is basically a little bit less than four tenths of a mile. So basically, it's three times around a 200 meter track indoors, and it's pretty much a full sprint the entire way. Well, there are four ladies running in this 600 meter run, and Heather is one of those, and she's a favorite to win. And she is ahead most of the race until the second lap, right? Before she finished the second lap, she tripped and got her foot, her heel clipped on the person behind her, and she fell flat on her face. Y'all, she fell and face planted on that red rubber track. Her feet came up behind her, and everybody would think, oh, wow, this is over. But no, what she did was incredible. She jumped up as quick as she could, and she started running. Now, the rest of the runners were probably 20 yards ahead of her, but she kept running and kept running and kept running, and she strained forward, and she moved as fast as she could, and then all of a sudden, she heard the crowd cheering for her as she gained on the other runners. She took third place. She took second place. Then she heard the announcer said, and here comes Heather, and that gave her more motivation, and she She strained forward at the end, and she won the race. It's an incredible race. I watched it on YouTube about four times to make sure I'm telling you the right story. And so I want you to go look at it, okay? So check it out. Check Heather Camp out. So she she fell down. It looked like she was done. Y'all, she could have quit. She could have laid there knowing that there was no way to win, but no, she got up. She took off. She ran, and she won the race. Now, she's known for a lot of other things now. She runs the road mile, and she runs a mile outside in in about four minutes and 30 seconds, which is pretty incredible. So this lady is an accomplished runner. But that day in 2008, it looked like she was done for the race, but she wasn't. Heather Kempf got up and kept going. I love stories like that, don't you? And I love the encouragement that it gives us. It's kind of like what Paul tells us in Philippians. Because in Philippians, Paul is talking to the church there and trying to encourage them. Trying to encourage them to keep going in the race. It's so easy for us to quit when we're in the middle of the race, especially if we have setbacks. But just like Heather Camp's story, Paul says, let's move on. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep going. I want to show the passage to you. It's in Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. 
verse 12 is where we're going to start reading. I want to read this passage to you, but I want you to know that Paul is writing this passage to the Philippian church while he is in prison. He is in prison. He has started this church almost a year and a half before, and now they have been sending him some aid, and they sent him some things to help him while he was in prison. He sends a letter back to them, and this is part of that letter from Philippians 3. And so he says this in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what a motivational passage here. He's saying to the church at Philippians, don't get discouraged Don't quit. You're going to have setbacks. Odd things are going to happen. But keep, keep going. Keep pushing. Now here what we want to look at in the first part of this. He says, I have not obtained this yet. I have not already attained what my goal is. Now Paul is in prison. He he probably has some time to think about things, right? But he has not obtained the goal that God has put before him. And he also says, hey, I'm not already perfect. I want to ask you today, have you obtained the goal of the high calling of Jesus Christ already? Yes or no? No, we're not there yet. Say, I am not there yet. Okay, let me ask you this. Are you perfect? No, we are not there yet. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He said, you know, here I am. I'm sitting in prison. I've done a lot of good things, y'all. Paul did a lot of great things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you agree? Yes. And I'm used to talking to children, so they answer. (laughs) By by the way, sometimes they answer even when I don't ask. But I want you to know that Paul had done some great things for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet he had not obtained the goal, and he was not perfect yet. And for him to realize this is important for not only him, not only for the church of Philippi, but for us here at Westwood. He also says in, the, in chapter uh, 3, verse 12, he says, but I press on. Now here this word press on basically means that he is going with all his might. He is running as hard as he can. He has a pace going. Heather Kemp, by the way, had to press on, didn't she? Sometimes in our lives we have to press on. We have to move forward. We have to pull ourselves up, jump up, and see where we're going and take off. It's not an easy thing for us to press on from time to time. It's this kind of determination that Paul had in his belly, uh, the same kind of zeal that he had for God, he also had for God's church. And I have a feeling that if Paul was here preaching today, he would share the same things with us. First of all, know that you haven't attained it. Know that you're not perfect, but press on, but move forward. In, in, the, third, in the 13th uh, verse here, it says, Paul has not obtained the spiritual goal, yet he was not resting or turning back. Listen to this. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. As we look to 2020, Y'all, it's amazing that it's almost 2020, right? 
I mean, some of you will remember that in, as we were getting ready to year 2000, uh, some people were saving water and they were saving things because we didn't know what 2000 was going to bring. I remember my, my grandmother, when we went to her house, after she passed away, she had a whole closet full of water and canned goods and all kind of stuff stored up because who knew what 2000 would bring? So we don't know what 2020 will bring, but the deal is we must move on. Now, does that mean that we forget everything that's happened in our past? I thought about this a lot this week. No, there are some things in our past that can motivate us to be better in the future, right? And there are some things in the past, some accomplishments that we've had that would keep us moving forward. And so when he says, I forget what's behind, he's saying what's behind is not near as important as what is ahead. And so then he's, he's, after he says forgetting what lies behind, the next thing that he tells us in this passage is that he is ready to move forward. He is ready to go. What we need to forget or let go of in our past are the things that we consider setbacks. Maybe, maybe there's been a setback in your life spiritually this past year. Maybe there's been a setback in your family. Maybe there's been a challenge in your home. Maybe there's been somebody in your family that's done something that you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'll ever get past that. Those kind of setbacks are the things that he's saying, put behind you because God has something better for us. There is a prize that we are moving toward. It doesn't mean that we don't take those things into account and allow those things to make us more like Christ. But it means that we put those behind and say, but the prize that Christ has for us is more important. This passage also says, has the word straining toward. It's the idea of a runner. Once again, I've never been one. It's the idea of a runner who sticks their chest out at the end, at the, at the goal line. They want to make it across the tape first. And many, many times races have been won by straining forward. And so what he's saying is with all of your might, with all of your might, move forward. Now I want us to consider this part of the passage. At the end of this passage, in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's not just pressing on for the goal to finish well in the sight of men. I mean, a lot of us can have people clap for us, have people applaud us, have people pat us on the back, but that's not what his goal is here. And he's reminding these Philippian Christians that we are to move forward in such a way as to work toward the prize that Christ has called us to. So he's not necessarily talking about doing good things, although we'll talk about those in a few minutes. He's talking about pleasing God in your attitudes and your actions in everything that you are. And so this prize is a heavenward prize. It's a, it's a heavenly prize. And you might think, well, maybe that prize is heaven. Well, I got to tell you, heaven's a good prize, right? Heaven's a good prize. And so uh, that's, that's part of it. But maybe you think this prize is uh, just pleasing Jesus while you're on earth. And hey, that's something we need to do, right? And we want God to be happy with what we do and how we think and how we live. But the prize is even more important than that because listen to what it says here. I press on toward the goal to win the prize 
for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I've thought in the past, and when I've read this, I have changed the word in to of, where it would say that I want to to work so hard as a Christian so that I would please Christ and I would receive a heavenly reward. Now, I've talked to some guys in the last few months that they believe that the only way to go to heaven is be good. Well, is that the way you get to heaven? No, that's not how you get to heaven. The only way you can get to heaven is in Christ Jesus, to have Jesus Christ in your life. It's not about just doing good stuff for him. It's having him in us and us in him. And that's a hard concept for us to understand as Christians. But basically what it means is we are doing it for the person of Jesus Christ, not to please the person of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to say it one more time. Think about it with me. When Jesus asks us to do something and we do it, we feel good about that as Christians, right? We do feel good about that. And it makes us feel good. But when Jesus Christ uh, motivates us, not because of what he's asked us to do, but because of who he is, that's a different level. So he's saying, I'm running straight to the prize for the high calling of Christ Jesus in, I even said it then, in Christ Jesus. The goal is to please the person of Jesus Christ. Not because of what he's asked us to do, but because of who he is. By the way, you know who he is? Jesus Christ, Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Master of all things, the all-powerful one. Jesus Christ, because of who he is, we desire to strain forward and to please him in our lives. So the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ is to honor the one who has saved us. That's the prize. Well, you may say, well, Pastor Rick, I don't know how to do this. How can I do this in my life? I've messed it up. In the past year, I've made some really bad mistakes. I've sinned. I've sinned bad. I've got some things in my life that I've sinned so bad that I have pulled back from Jesus. You have not drawn toward Jesus, you've drawn away from Jesus because you're embarrassed, because you're upset, because you're disappointed in yourself. And Jesus is there wanting to hold you in his arms. He's wanting to love on you. He's wanting to give you an opportunity to do great new things in this next year. But you have personally pulled yourself back from him. It's time for you to draw close to Jesus. It's time for all of us to draw close to Jesus and to run this race that he's placed before us. Another thing about this race that I was reminded of as I studied this week is this race is not meant to be um, grueling. It's not meant to be the kind of race that we dread every day. It's the kind of race that because of who God is and because of how he loves us and because how he protects us, how he takes care of us, how he empowers us, we have a strong desire to get up and run this race for him. Let's think about that for a minute. This morning when you got up, did you spend some time with God? This morning when you got up, did you get up excited about the day, about knowing what Jesus had for you this day? This morning when you got up, were you motivated because you were gonna get to spend time with God's people in God's house? Our desire needs to be for Jesus. And that's what we're talking about here. This kind of race that we run every day and we do it gladly. So maybe this year you've had some setbacks. Maybe you hadn't been diligent in your race. Well, this next year, 
This next year is going to be better. We've got an opportunity to do some incredible things. The song we sang earlier said that God is the pain taker. God wants to take your pain. He wants to take your sin. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make sure that you live an abundant life here on this earth. He wants to put Christian friends around you. He wants to give you great instruction. God loves you so much that he wants to move you forward. He's going to help us in this race. There's some things that we need to do this next year. Maybe you need to think about these things. One is you need to rediscover the Bible. We all need to rediscover the Bible. We need to have a heart for God's word. We need to know that that's the way that he speaks to us most often. If we are waiting for him to come and scream out to us something in a dream, it's maybe not going to happen because the way he speaks to us most often is through his word. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to start reading his word. Maybe a habit you need to form this year is to start reading just a chapter a day. Start slow. Make sure you read scripture. Make sure you look at scripture every morning. And I promise you, God will start waking you up and getting you ready to read his word. The next thing is we need to restart our prayer life. Our prayer life needs to be restarted. I'm surprised how many Christians don't pray or don't pray often. Prayer is not designed for us just to pray when something's bad. Prayer is not designed for us just to pray when somebody's sick. Prayer is designed for an ongoing communication between us and God. And so I hope that prayer will be be a part of our lifestyle in 2020. Maybe we need to reconnect with God's people. This is going to throw you off and you're going to say, I don't know where you got that, Pastor Rick. But did you know that in America... In Baptist churches, that 75% of the people who come to church during a year's time only come 26 times a year. Let's think about that a second. I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying, you know, there's a stat. So 75% of the people who go to church in a year's time only come 26 times a year. And you might say, well, that's not true. I'm here like every Sunday. Well, maybe you are, and that's good. You're not in that 75%. But... If you start looking at the times you go on vacation, times you're out playing ball, the times you're homesick, the times it was raining, the times that you didn't feel like it, and you're going to count them up and you're going to say, wow, that's a pretty wild stat. But y'all, I don't say that to get on to us. I say that to motivate us because we need each other. We need our church family. I loved it when I walked in this morning. I had about three people talk to me as soon as I came in. I had somebody wave at me from the back. And it's not because I'm the pastor. It's because we have a loving church. I had a man come and want to pray with me before I preached today. Having a church family that loves you and that your family can be involved in will make a difference. So maybe this year it's time to reconnect. Maybe you have some real sinful habits, some things that you just know you need to give to God. There's those things that keep coming up in your life. My prayer is that this year, We ask God to forgive us of those sins, and we ask him to give us help so that we can move forward and move away from those sins. There's two things. When we stop a certain sin, when God allows us to do that, we we need to replace it with something that glorifies God. And so I want to encourage you in those areas. Maybe it's your thought life. I have a friend that's real close to me that said, you mean your thoughts can make you sin? I'm like, duh, yeah, absolutely. So maybe it's that. But whatever it is, whatever sinful habits you have, you need to move from those and follow Christ. The next one and the last one here is we need to recommit ourselves to investing in others. It's important as we move forward in this race 
And as we seek to please God in our way we run the race, that we are part of his church, that we pray, that we read his Bible, that we reinvest in other people, that we give back to other people, that we serve. And so just so you know, we have a lot of opportunities for people to serve here at Westwood. And if any of y'all want to serve here, that'd be great. We have groups of our, our small groups who go and they minister around our community. We have groups that go across our state every month and they minister. There are opportunities for you to serve other people through our church. But maybe it's not through a church. Maybe it's you need to serve the people that you work with. Maybe it's you need to serve your family better. So maybe we all feel a few steps behind in this race. But I want you to know that as we press on toward the goal of the high calling of Christ Jesus, that God will be with us. God will motivate us. Maybe like Heather Kempf, you've taken a fall right in the middle of the race. It's embarrassing. And it's in front of thousands of people. It's time for you to jump up and to move forward. Maybe it's time for you to call on the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, to motivate you as never before. There's a passage in Scripture I want to read to you from Isaiah. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. This is the part I want you to listen. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Many times as Christians, we treat the Holy Spirit like Jesus' little brother. You know, you got Father, Son, and then you got Holy Spirit hanging out there. Well, I got news for you. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus' little brother. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible tells us that once we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and lives in us. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. The Holy Spirit helps us understand Scripture. The Holy Spirit helps you understand preaching and teaching. The Holy Spirit He is there to encourage us. By the way, the word encouragement means to give courage. He's there to give us courage. But yet so many times we don't call on the Holy Spirit. I've got a habit that I've formed in this last year. It's kind of weird, and I don't do it in front of people, but I'm going to do it in front of you right now, okay? So during my prayer times in the morning, I will hold my hand up, my left hand, because it says, my righteous right hand. So I assume the Holy Spirit's holding me with his right hand. Hold up my left hand, and I say, Holy Spirit, take me by the hand. Lead me today down the path that you want me to go. Help me to honor you in every thought and every action today. Holy Spirit, I pray that I will not let go of your hand. I'll not jump ahead of you, and I'll not go behind you, but I will walk with you. Thank you, Father, for protecting me today and walking with me through this day. It's an act on my part to humble myself and say, Holy Spirit, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't go through this life on my own. So maybe you've been trying really hard. Maybe you've been doing some of the things. Maybe you've been pressing on on your own, on your own strength. Maybe you've been trying all you can to learn all the good habits. Maybe you've been asking a lot of people to pray for you. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit will help you if you give him your left hand. Allow him to take you by his powerful right hand. There's a passage, I mean, there's an old hymn. I thought about singing this, but it's not going to happen. There's an old hymn that's in one of the old Baptist hymnals. Probably the old green one, who knows. And it says, breathe on me. That's the name of the hymn. It's it's an unusual deal, and, and I remember it because I had this friend named Jamie who would sit next to me 
on Sundays, and when we would sing the song, he would breathe on me. <laughs> it was so weird, and I remember that all the time, because the song would go, breathe on me, and he would go, and I'm like, come on. You know, I mean, we were 18 at that time, and he's still breathing on me. Here's what the Holy Spirit, here's what the song says about the Holy Spirit. It's a prayer. It says, breathe on me, breathe on me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Take thou my heart, cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Simple. Maybe what we need to do moving into 2020 is say, Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Give me new breath. I'm in this race. I'm tired. I don't feel like I can endure. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Take my heart and cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. I close with this. As we run this race, we need to know that in Hebrews 12, 1, the Bible tells us that there is a cloud of witnesses. Just like there was with Heather Kempf in that, in that illustration to begin with, clapping for her, screaming her name, cheering her on. There is a cloud of witnesses that wants us to win. So you need to know, guys, that we have the power of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus and the motivation that he gives us through his, through his death on the cross and his resurrection to move forward in 2020. Maybe, guys, today you've never asked Jesus in your heart. Maybe you've never given God that opportunity to make a difference in your lives. My prayer is that today you will do that. The Bible is real simple. It says that all of us have sinned. All of us have setbacks. All of us fall flat on our face. And the only way we can get in the race leading heavenward is to pray and ask God to forgive us. Maybe you need to do that today. Ask God to forgive you and cleanse your heart. Commit yourselves to Him so that He can help you move forward. The Bible says that when you ask Jesus in your heart, even though you're sinful and you ask Him to cleanse you of those sins, He comes in. His Holy Spirit comes in and He saves you. He saves you from a place called hell to a place called heaven. My prayer is that all of us go to that place called heaven. But in all reality, that's not the case. Some of us may not because we have not made that decision. Make that decision today. Today is the day of salvation.